0: Boys, welcome back. Episode 75, the three-quarter episode of the Booth Review Podcast presented by TBR Sports. We're here Thursday, June 17th. I'm with Seth. Um, before we just get into the intros, I'm just going to preface this by saying I'm in a horrible fucking mood right now. So if that reflects on this podcast in any way, that's why. Seth, what's up, buddy?
1: Not much. We're chilling. I'm still working a little bit this week, so... Getting a little bit of money in before the surgery, and well, we've been all
0: right. I'm exhausted. How have you thanks? been? Uh, the horrible. obvious. <laughs> horrible. Thanks for asking. Um, when you, when is your surgery? It's July sixth. And what happens to you after? So is like, are is golf done for you after? Are, are activities done for you after that? Or no? Pretty much. Yeah, I'll be in really? a sling for four weeks. Oh wow! Yeah, That's so sling for a- four
1: weeks, and then we're not like. I think it's, I want to say it's six months technically until I'm, I think it's six months until I'm allowed to start throwing a baseball again. So it'll probably be closer to like seven and a half before I'm like officially cleared to play. Um, but we're hoping that it'll only be, you know, two or three months until I'm able to hit and then I'd be able to like DH a couple or pinch hit um, for the fall season. So
0: that'll be nice. But yeah, for the most part, just literally unable to do anything. Damn. That's crazy. Big milestone coming up or not milestone, but event that's happening to you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're going
1: to say it's going to be interesting to see, you know, which one I think is worse between, you know, having surgery on a knee and having surgery on a shoulder. I imagine the shoulder is going to be worse from the standpoint of just like functionality Cause I'm pretty good on crutches. Like I can get up and down stairs easily. So it's like, like that was never an issue for me, but I feel like like little things that you don't think about, like brushing your teeth and eating and shaving and, you know, just all these little mundane tasks that you do throughout the day. I feel like are going to be super difficult one armed for four weeks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That that's a good point. That's not really something I thought about. Granted, I haven't been thinking about your, Injury that much, right? But uh, but yeah, that is a good point. It's not really something that you think about. But hey, best of luck, man. We'll be a lot lot of podcasting can go on during that time, which is the good news. one thing that is not affected by your shoulder injury is that you can still talk. This is true. Unlike, I think I'm coming up. I think I passed the one year anniversary of my wisdom teeth operation last year, which was huge like wow that one knocked me out for a few days I remember trying to record a podcast I think so the long gone summer 30 for 30 had just come out like that night yeah Right. and so I had my surgery and I tried to do a podcast with a former member of TBR sports that night and I literally was in tears the whole time because it hurt to move my face but yes. we did the show. You can go and listen to it. Uh, it. But you, I think it's episode 35 or something of the review. I'm, like, crying the whole time. Cause, <laughs> and I couldn't eat either, so I'm starving. I'm not in a bad yeah. mood. It's like, you know, <laughs> what else is new? I'm not in a good mood. And then I have this, like, horrible, horrible pain running through my system. And, you know, I'm trying to... Uh, carry the show let's go Scheffler. yes he just hit a birdie putt that's how you start your round right there all right sorry guys i bet on scotty Scheffler to be leading after round one at the u.s open and we're recording this podcast in the middle of the u.s open so sorry if i uh if our attentions are a little here and there but yeah uh You're like 25 foot or two yeah that was a nice putt actually. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe we'll we'll know what we will know more by the time we hop off the podcast. But yeah. Um, Yeah. One year ago, I think one year ago yesterday or two days ago was the wisdom tea thing. And we've all seen the videos and you can go and listen to the the pain podcast uh, where I'm literally like in tears the whole time because I can't move my face. Um, So, yeah, I'm excited for you that that. Your surgery is not going to impede your ability to podcast. That's good for us. Do a lot of talking, a lot of analysis, a lot of commentary for the wiffle ball, uh, you know, as as we do. But um, but yeah. So all is good in in your world is what I'm hearing. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, can't say the same. So, you know, far be it for me to get personal on this podcast. Uh, you know. <laughs> I've just you know been going through the motions, been going through some shit, whatever here and there. It happens. Uh, the Bruins got knocked out of the playoffs, and that was a big hit on my morale. Um, <laughs> it's been about a week. I think it was, it was a week last night, so I'm still not over it. I don't. It's. I don't. Did I think that they were going to win the Stanley Cup? I don't know. Maybe a little bit. When they went down three to two, no, I didn't think so. I thought at that point like we would be lucky to survive this round. But I was looking past the Islanders, and you can hear me say, you can hear me say it on this podcast that I was clearly looking past the Islanders already onto a, ta- a potential Tampa series, which just didn't end up happening for us. Right. But uh, but yeah, fucking shitty week. So the other night, it was when the uh, in the Tampa Island New York game, game two. I believe it was what Tampa did. Did Tampa score with seven guys on the ice at one point? Was it them that scored or was it New York?
1: Well, so here's the thing. Both teams had a missed too many men call because so the goal that Tampa scored. Oh, I forget which goal it was. I know it was a lot on a mini breakaway. He was wide open in front of the net, got a pass from just below the faceoff. Dot or I think it was it might have been below the circle Um, and just right to him. And he just sniped one off the post right by Vasilevsky's blocker. And if you look at it, there are six guys on the ice. But the sixth guy was in the defensive zone and was on his way off the ice. So while technically, yes, that is a too many men. And yes, they jumped the um, change and early none of the guys who were either a the sixth guy who should have been off the ice or b the fifth guy who jumped on the ice early were involved in the play they just were completely uninvolved in the play weren't even in the offensive zone like all both uh, all three defensemen that were on the ice at that time were in either the neutral zone of the defensive zone so literally did not have any effect on the play at all yeah so you know, if you're an Islanders fan, <clears throat> yes, technically they did miss a call. But at the same time, is it a too-many-men call that, like, really affected their ability to score? No, it didn't change anything. Like, regardless of whether or not that six guy is on the ice, they're scoring that call. But then the Islanders had a similar thing where there were six guys on the ice. I think the Islanders have a little bit better of a case just because they're – Guy was a lot closer to the bench in the screenshot that I saw, but it was it was a pretty similar play. But again, even if you take away that goal, the final score was four to two in that game, right? Yeah. Like it literally doesn't matter. And yeah. they um they scored on a power play that was given to them after I think it was Pelic cross checked point into varlamov and then varlamov got pulled by a spotter and he got cross he was four or five feet away from the crease was coming in with full speed on a breakaway like he was trying to beat the defenseman back because it was literally there was nobody in between him and varlamov right and then he gets cross-checked from and my dad who's an islanders fan was trying to argue oh he could have stopped I was like, no, you get cross checked from behind after you've been skating full speed into the neutral or into the offensive zone, and you're you have five feet to stop. There's no way for him to stop there. He gets cross checked yeah. into the goalie, and then they got a goalie interference call on that, and then they scored. And again, it didn't matter because Tampa ended up winning, but you you know it's another example of the Islanders just getting sucked off by the
0: refs. Yeah, so agree. Wasn't a goalie interference call. Um the too many men I didn't. I not care about it, but yeah. the reason I bring it up is because one of the big like hockey accounts on Instagram it wasn't the NHL, but it was like one of those, you know, like hockey world yeah. or you know, whatever. They posted the screenshot of the seven guys on there. Six guys on the ice, seven, and they like numbered them or whatever. And they're like Tampa scored with X amount of guys on the ice. They said six, so there's clearly seven guys on the ice in the screenshot. So being the Instagram commenter that I am. Well, on seven guys if you count the goalie, right? No, there For were sure. seven skaters and a goalie. I thought it was six skaters and a goalie. I don't know if we're talking about the same screenshot. I can pull it up, but I count seven guys on the, on the ice. Okay,
1: then maybe they did number it wrong because everyone that I saw was numbered up to six.
0: See, that's the, that's, it's the same photo that we're talking about. It's numbered up to six, but there's seven guys on the ice. Gotcha. It's this one. There yes, are, there are seven Tampa Bay players on the ice. I count. Them.
1: Oh, I didn't notice that.
0: They, they forgot to number one of them. So there's just like a random right. floater but out I, there. I'm
1: still right, though, that none of the guys that should that are technically the too many are even involved in the play. Like when you look right. at a screenshot.
0: Yeah. So, no, yeah. Every- so the, the too many like I don't like it's not like the seventh guy grabbed the puck and got the assist. Right. They're like way behind the play. It's just like they said that. It's, so this is hockey collective. They post and they go, Tampa scored with six guys on the ice. These refs are absolutely brutal. So I comment on a lot of Instagram posts, and I give my two cents, much like I do. Uh, We're pretty opinionated people. If you listen to this podcast, you would get that kind of sense from us. Um, So I like to comment and give my two cents. So I gave my two cents. I said, looks like seven. Uh, I'm no mathematician, but I saw seven blue jerseys on the ice, and people saying it was six, and, like, labels – on all of them saying, like, one, two, three, four, five, six, and they just missed one. So I'm like, looks like seven. And when you comment on Instagram a lot like I do, sometimes your comment just randomly gets, like, a thousand likes. So it becomes, like, a top comment. So that's what happened to me. My comment becomes the top comment. And then some people were, like, arguing with me. Someone goes, like, including the goalie, yes. Like, kind of what you said. And I was like, well, look at the photo. There's seven guys and whatever. But it got a lot of likes, so you get in some fights sometimes with people because of stuff like this. You say something that's controversial or slightly rubs a Tampa Bay fan the wrong way, and uh, they come at you. So I get a DM request from random account. Don't know who this is. Like doesn't follow me, whatever. So I open it, and it was like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) So I accepted it and I assumed that it was someone from the from like a Tampa fan who was pissed that I said that they scored with seven guys on the ice. Like someone found my top comment and was mad at me and and instead of commenting back at me just went straight into my DMs. Hit me where it hurt saying, Fuck you. Ooh. So I respond because I I'm having fun now. Like this is this is fun. So I responded with okay just straight up and then they and then they said you dumb as hell goofy ass motherfucker <laughs> so i'm like damn this guy really likes the tampa bay lightning i was so, like
1: at, the thing that kills me about this is for, like forget what the rest of this conversation is you literally didn't even say like oh that's a bad call you just yeah. said that looks like seven
0: guys to me. It, gets, it gets better <laughs> so they said like you goofy as hell so i said okay and he goes, is that all you say? And I said, yeah, pretty much. So at this point, I think I'm just trolling some Tampa Bay Lightning fan, right? Like, right. I don't, I don't have fun with this. And then they said something that, like, slightly gave me the impression that I wasn't talking to a Tampa Bay Lightning fan at all. They – I'm not going to give the, the specifics of the conversation that went down because, like, I know I get personal on this podcast, but it's too personal at this point. They immediately – go to my personal life, like right off the bat, like, like, like called out my personal life. So immediately I was like, this isn't someone from that comment section. This is someone who knows me and is fucking with me. Oh my God. So they go on and on and on. We're going back and forth at this point about, I'm not even going to talk about what it is, whatever. And they just start like trying to grind my gears and like get under my skin for no reason. So I'm I'm pretty good in situations like this. It's really hard to crack me in a situation like this, and I knew I was winning. Like I like they just kept trying to get at me and get under my skin, and I just kept responding with like okay. And then yeah. at one point they said they called they're like you're a pussy, but they said y o u r. So I me being <laughs> the fucking smart, Alec, that I am the yeah. wiseacre. I slide right in with the apostrophe y o u. W or R E not W Y O U R E, <laughs> and that floored them. They were pissed at that. They were like fuck you, like you fucked up, like you don't know who you're talking to. Whatever. It was hilarious. So they just like this was so I me starting this conversation thinking that I pissed off a Tampa Bay Lightning fan and that I was trolling a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. Come to find out that it's that it's someone who by the way this account has zero followers and no pictures and no bio picture. This is, I, you know, Seth, I wasn't born yesterday. This is, a. it was abundantly obvious to me that this was a fake account. That like was literally c- just that someone made a random just account just to created. try to trick you. Yeah. Yes, that had just been created, put like a fake, really vague name, you know, <laughs> like that anyone could have. Um, And, and at this point, like, Obviously when someone slides in your DMs and says Fuck you, you don't know where it's coming from But, you know, I immediately went to The, the comment on the post as like The source, but I was sadly Mistaken um, So whatever, fuck this person for that I The only reason I bring this up Is because A, I enjoy this very much And B, I think I won And C I'm like 112% sure Who it is <laughs> I'm like 111% sure they follow TBR on Instagram and on TikTok and listen to our podcast. So, if I, I, if my hunch, if my 112% and 111% hunches are correct, I just wanted to say, hey, you know, like, I wasn't fucking born yesterday, you fucking moron. I know, like, I know who this is. (laughs) I have two questions. I have two questions. Sure. So, first off,
1: Ha- did we or d- did we not ever enter a school building at the same time as this person? No. No, okay. So I have no idea who this person is. Yeah, no.
0: <laughs> I, I was going to say K-4. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know your mind was going there, but it's not. Hey, if I'm wrong, maybe. But I don't think so. Actually, I know not so. I take that back. I know for a fact. Also, because of the stuff you saying, they wouldn't have known about me.
1: <laughs> I don't know if you still follow the owner of the now semi-defunct three-letter sports page, but they keep on posting these things, trashing the Bruins, and I I keep on... No! Like, like they keep on reposting on their personal story, like, hockey trash talk, or, or is like, um you know, Wheel of Excuses Bruins, and, like, random
0: chirping things of the Bruins, and I'm like, you're a Canes fan? Y'all got bounced around once. Now, Steph, let me also say this. That person was at a Bruins game wearing a Bruins jersey when we were in the building, too. So what up? What up? I don't understand. Soft. Corruptly. That's soft. Oh, my God. I mean, I said this to Michael not that long ago. Like, that account and their their father accounts are, oh, my God. They're just, how many teams do you root for? You know, like, I I take pride in the fact that, like, you know, I know that you're not Boston sports all the way through and through. Like you're a Mets fan, whatever. It's fine. But like, I take pride in the fact that it's like one team, one person. You know, it's like I'm not like I'm not a second favorite team kind of guy. I'm not like uh, I like this team, and if they're not out in this team, like I believe that you should root for one team, and, and, and they, sure. they just don't. But yeah, no, it's not them either. I don't think. Um, I will say this though, Seth. If you've been listening to this podcast for the past like few months or whatever then like, you know, you can catch on to the story. But fuck Pictionary. I hate that fucking game. <laughs> I you
1: know P- Pictionary get, gave me a weird vibe that, you know, that one time uh, you know, when the uh what's his face Paul fight was going on. But yeah,
0: I mean, That's I'm right, surprised yeah. <laughs> Oh well, yeah, it we talk about the Floyd May Floyd Mayweather fight too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not
1: surprised that that's uh, that's you. Th- that, yeah. that's your reaction
0: currently. Fuck, Pictionary! I hate it so much. Yes. and that's all that needs to be said. <laughs> Fair enough. Moving on, as you do. Life must go on. Not for me. Um, since it's uh, since we're on the topic of it, do you have thoughts on the Floyd Mayweather? Um, Logan Paul fight? I mean... Like, it's it, it's one of
1: those things where I'm just sitting here and I'm like, you know, I, I wish I was more entertained by it. You know, I, I watched yeah. it on a legal stream, you know, but it's, it's like it's not like I paid for it, so I'm not going to be upset about it, but you know, that that's the problem with a fight like that, where it's You know, there's no official winner unless there's a knockout, right? So Floyd has no incentive to actually try and, you know, win the fight, right? Like, he can just move around and show off and be him. And to be fair, like, I think a lot of people came out of that fight saying, oh, Floyd Mayweather can still box really well. Because you know, he was just dodging punches left and right. He was countering perfectly. Like he was just doing everything he needed to do, but because there's no judges, you're just sitting there. You're like, well, you know, what's the point to this? Right. Because, you know, to, to to Paul's credit, he was actually trying to knock him out. He just sucks. Right. Like he, he he got winded and, you know, he tried. And I think to, to be honest, I thought he was a much worse boxer going in than coming out like i will give credit to him for surviving five rounds with one of the greatest boxers of all time that he does deserve credit for especially with how winded he was at the start
0: yeah i here's what i'll say i think and i said this about the jake paul fight too um i don't even remember who did he fight robinson and then somebody else right it was Robinson and then Ben Askren. Right, yeah, the UFC guy. Yeah. So I'll say this. I think this is the first time in history really where we're seeing such a crossover between the entertainment world and the sports world. I think for the yeah. first time it's kind of coming to a forefront where you know Logan Paul and Jake Paul are YouTubers. Like they they are YouTubers. I know that they're trying to, you know, shift their focus and they're like, Oh, I want to take I want to become professional boxer or whatever, I want to do this full time, but they're YouTubers. Like, that's how they're famous. They would be nobodies if it weren't for YouTube. And, like, I think they're, they're talented. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to discredit and be like, oh, they're YouTubers. No, like, I think that they're very talented at what they do. But you have Floyd Mayweather, who is hands down the greatest boxer of all time, never lost a fight, has, like, 30-plus KOs in his career, 50-plus wins. You have him actually stepping in the ring with a YouTuber for, for a fight. So this is—it's it, unheard of. It—it it, it would be like if if Carly Rae Jepsen got signed by like the Yankees tomorrow and like played a game, you know? Yeah. I don't know why she was the first one that popped into my head. She hasn't been relevant for nine years, but well, I think you know? that's kind of the Point, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it, for the first time we're seeing this crossover. So when you cross over different professions like this on such a big scale. You're also crossing over audiences. So there's a lot of people who are probably watching that Logan Paul fight who have no fucking clue who Floyd Mayweather was, you know? Like a lot of a lot of kids probably past our generation. I mean, you and I obviously were tapped into the sports world and we have been our entire lives. But I think there's probably there's a there's a steep generational drop off after like the birth year 2002 or 2003, I'd say. Um, yeah where where these kids just like don't know you know and i, I don't want to shit on lynch but i'll use lynch as an example lynch i think it knows knows his shit like look at trivia he knows his shit in trivia and he knows a lot of like historical stuff but there's definitely times on podcasts and in trivia and like just wherever where you can see stuff go over his head that like you me and carp are all in the know about and i i can't give a specific example but it's definitely just happened before. So I think it's just a generational drop off where these kids grew up in the social media era, where I think that we missed it by like a year or two because like, you know, YouTube didn't become a thing until 2008, 2009. So we were right. We we also grew up in the generation of
1: kids who were like, you turned 13 and then you got a Facebook account. Right. Right. Like I don't, Think that that happened to the kids who are like literally a year younger than yes. you?
0: That's what I'm trying to say. Is like we. So I'm not saying we didn't grow up without technology because we did. Right. We we grew up right in the wave. What like where it became big, and then one or two years after us, like you're saying, I think it became like normal for really young kids to like be on it's, social media it's because like for technology. us we we have more memory
1: of the time before Before social media was so big and even just that one year gap between you and you know for me it's a much bigger gap right like i've got a three or four year gap between me and these people Mm -hmm. but you know even just the one year gap for you is just enough for it to be they don't remember that much of a time before social media being super popular like i'm not old enough to remember my space but I remember Facebook becoming huge. Right. right? So, but I remember that time in between where it was like you were a kid and you didn't know what my space was. But I remember when Facebook like got invented and became yeah, a thing. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So I think that, you know, the generation after us, like one or two years after us and on really like just grew up in that social media era. So like I remember Jake and Logan Paul on Vine back in like 2013. Yes (laughs) yeah so like i remember them back then that's how i first knew of them and like to see what they've built now like kudos to them it's very impressive but i think that there's a generation of kids after us who like those were their celebrities you know like we're celebrities to us are like professional athletes and like singers movie actors like social media stars and youtubers and viners and instagrammers and whatever those were celebrities for these kids so i bet that there's there are a whole lot of people who were watching that fight because of Logan Paul. Whereas we were Absolutely. watching it because we were like Floyd Mayweather, greatest boxer of all time. We want to see him kick the shit out of this YouTuber. I think there was a big audience watching that because of Logan Paul.
1: Well, so <laughs> and I
0: think part of that too is like, I'm sure that there are
1: a lot of kids who are and you know, obviously like a high school age kid isn't going to be like this, but that younger gen like the younger, like, you know, Single digits kids, you know, a lot of them might not have a ton of memory from two years ago, right? And so we've entered this period where, you know, we had COVID and we had that super long period of just no sports and there were not movies getting released because nobody was going to the theaters. And, you know, there was some music coming out, but nobody was going to concerts, right? So, you know, you weren't really seeing this. And so where was the one platform where everything was always constantly coming out no matter what? It was YouTube, it was TikTok, yeah, right. right? Like, th- social media was the platform where there were all these people that were growing. And, you know, uh, and to be fair, TikTok did start to kind of be a thing before the pandemic, right? Like, the d- d- is D'Amelio the yeah. sister's? Yeah, they were part of (laughs) them and one other person, Addison Ray. Yes, we're part of NBA All Star Weekend. Yeah, and like they were doing things. They had those really weird, cringy TikToks that they were doing with the players and
0: stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: and so like TikTok was a thing before the pandemic, but just the pandemic kind of created this, uh, what's it called, atmosphere of social media being really the only way to connect. And the only way to grow, whereas, you know, you weren't on TV all the time. You weren't an athlete that was being put on prime time in front of people. You weren't an actor that was on the movie screen. The only option you had was TikTok or YouTube. So I think there are a lot of kids who, you know, like you said, they, they watched it because of Logan Paul or they watch it because of Jake Paul. Because they know these people from YouTube, because that's where
0: all of their celebrities come from now. Right. Yeah. yeah. So on that note, I saw a lot of people after the fight like, oh, you know, this Floyd Mayweather sucks like he couldn't knock Logan Paul out, whatever. So partially, like I think 40 that's, years old. Well, partially. OK, so first of all, partially, I think that's just people not knowing, you know, and people like being biased to Logan Paul. like, Oh, he's a YouTuber and he lasted. You're, you're so dumb if you actually think Floyd Mayweather gave a fuck about that fight. Money. Dude, I mean, come on. Like, you just play a
1: gif of Johnny Manziel
0: just over it. Like, that's all this you is. You think he was actually trying, like, pathetic? And here's what I'll say, too. He accidentally knocked him out. Like, have you seen that video going around? It was, like, in the – how many – Did they did eight rounds, right? It was in the seventh round. Did and they do eight rounds?
1: I thought it was, like, I, like,
0: really short. I think it was eight. Maybe it was six. I don't know. It was something weird. Um, it was the round before the final round, and Floyd. Like, I'll give Floyd credit. You know, he he's an entertainer, so he and he's been around money. I mean, his fucking nickname is Money Floyd, Money Mayweather. So like, he knows right. how to do this stuff, and I give him credit because you could tell in the it the post. It was eight, yeah. So it was the seventh round. You could tell in the post match interviews that he was trying to be like, you know, wink, wink, guys. You know, whatever. He was like, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, we gave him a good show. I had a lot of fun. He just kept saying that whenever they asked him, like, oh, like, you know, you threw some good punches, Floyd. How'd you feel? He's like, I had a lot of fun. So he was trying to give the hint that, like, all right, like, this was so for the money. And it was just a, it was strictly entertainment. It wasn't like an official fight or whatever. Um, but I just I think that so back to, you know, the video, there's a video in the seventh round. Like, I'll give Floyd credit he was landing punches. Like I said, he knows how to entertain. He wasn't just going to go out there and keep his hands by his side and let Logan throw a few, whatever, and then throw some BS and have him just, you know, hug the whole time. It was going to be a hugging contest. Like he knows how to play it up for the crowd and he knows how to give him a good, you know, time. So he was throwing punches and he definitely connected on a few on Logan Paul. But, In the seventh round at one point, I think he accidentally kind of slugged him in the jaw. And you can see Logan Paul like slump over and Floyd like catches him and then kind of plays it off like they're like like they're wrestling or not wrestling. You know what I'm saying? When two boxes grab onto each other. The the hugging, the hugging, the hugging thing. So Floyd kind of plays it off like they're doing that. But if you go back and look at it, someone like broke it down, like did an analysis video on YouTube and I watched it. It looks like Logan Paul gets knocked out for a second and that Floyd held him up so that he wouldn't knock him out. So to all the fucking kids on TikTok who are like,
1: Logan Paul is so good and fuck Floyd Mayweather. It's
0: like, A, he let that fight go eight rounds. Floyd Mayweather is the greatest boxer of all time and could have knocked Logan Paul out in the first round if he wanted to. This was clearly for money and you can tell by the way that Floyd was reacting because if Floyd Mayweather what is he 51 and zero? if Floyd Mayweather actually lost a real fight that he was trying in he would not be all smiles after it if he right. I, I know that it wasn't a professionally counted boxing match so it, he wouldn't if he'd gotten knocked out he wouldn't have been 51 and one I understand that but still this guy who has this perfect record gets knocked out by a YouTuber like it was so clearly fixed not fixed because they, you know he didn't lose but it, they, I think it was agreed upon beforehand, like, all right, we're just going to give him a show, and let's collect our bag and go home. Like, Floyd Mayweather is one of the most wealthiest – I think he is, what, the highest-paid athlete in America, I think, or something like that. I think he's up there because you get a billion dollars a <laughs> boxing fight. So he doesn't need the money to do this, but he he understands a good – opportunity financial opportunity when he sees one why not especially cash flow
1: (laughs) he knew that he wasn't going to get hit all that hard or all that much and you can see that in the stats right like paul was landing like 15 percent of his punches it was unbelievable how low the percentage of punches he was landing were compared to how many punches Math or uh, mayweather was um landing but the and the thing with that, too, is just how much of a toll boxing takes on your body, right? So, Mayweather knew he was like, I can step in here, I'm gonna be able to dodge 90% of these shots, and even yeah. the ones that he does officially hit aren't gonna hurt me that much. Yeah, I'm just gonna walk in there and I'm gonna feel fine the next day, as opposed to walking in there getting you know, however many millions of dollars you get for a normal fight and then coming out the next day. And, you know, having to wear sunglasses And not wanting to get right. up out of bed Like that,
0: you know I mean, look at Floyd Mayweather after the fight He hardly broke a sweat Jake Paul looked like a wet fucking rat at the end like Or Logan Paul, rather I mean, he, <laughs>
1: looked, he looked like it after the first round Yeah,
0: and Floyd Mayweather Was just like, alright You know, like Floyd, look at, yeah. look at the talent That Floyd Mayweather's fought in his career This didn't phase him at all I saw people, too, on Instagram Trying to say, like Looking at that step by step breakdown of the punches thrown versus punches landed, people were like, "Oh, um, <laughs> one of the best." The comments that got me the best was someone said, "Oh, um, Logan Paul's stats just look worse because he threw more punches," and I was like, "Well, well, he yeah, threw like four
1: times as many punches as Mayweather, but still then.
0: didn't hit as many punches." Right. Like maybe they're. Yeah.
1: they're connected. Or punches and literally threw like
0: a quarter of the amount right. of punches. It's about fucking um, consistency and landing your punches. This person literally goes, oh, his stats just look worse because they are. And he was trying to defend Logan Paul. Like, that's what he said. He's like, oh, that don't read into that, guys. It just looks bad because he is worse. But he was trying to say that Logan Paul was better, but that his stats just looked worse. It's like, well, if you throw 400 punches and land seven... That's not better than Floyd Mayweather who throws 100 and lands 85, you know? Like, those yeah. are made-up numbers. But I'm just saying, like, Floyd Mayweather threw less and connected on more because he why would he need to throw more if he's connecting on, like, one out of every three punches he's throwing versus Jake Paul's, like, swinging at air all night. This guy was – it was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's like, oh, yeah, his stats just look worse. It's like, no, they're stats. They are worse. <laughs> Literally, that's why they're called stats, statistics. Yeah, they can, they can't. I, I mean, yeah, they can look worse because they are worse. But they can, yeah. Stats can't look one way and be the other way. They're numbers. That's like saying like, oh, two times two just looks like it's four, <laughs> Well, it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it looks that way is because it is, and there's there, no there are way
1: around few, it. <laughs> very few statistics out there that you can point at to you, you know, and say oh, this one just looks worse because of whatever, right? Like, if you compare Jacob deGrom's batting average this year to Mike Trout's batting average, yeah, Trout's is going to look worse, but it's also because he's taken, you know, 300 more at-bats. If you gave Jacob deGrom 300 at-bats, he's not going to hit 400. It's just not going to happen. He's a pitcher, right? He's not actually that good that's probably the argument that guy was trying to make, but it just, it doesn't, you know, fit, right? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. When you actually watch the fight, you understand the reason why Jake Paul threw a bajillion punches and missed them is because Floyd Mayweather is really freaking good at defense.
0: Right. Like, that, that's the point with Floyd Mayweather.
1: <laughs> right. Obviously not, you know, trying all that. Yeah. Place, right, But, like, the the big thing with Mayweather and a huge part of the reason why he's 51 and Oh, is because he's unbelievable at dodging punches and countering. That's just what he's so good at. And you can like, you saw how fast he was in that fight. Dude hasn't fought professionally in like 10 years. That's an, that's a stretch. I, I think he hasn't knocked someone out in 10 years, actually, which is why I said before the fight that it was going to go the distance. No. Um, but he, he, I don't think he's fought an actual professional fight since the Pacquiao or either just the Pacquiao or the McGregor fight. It's one of those two. That I, I think McGregor was more recent. So I think it's been like three or four years yeah, since his last of of professional fight. But he's also yeah. he's like forty five years old, right? <laughs> and if he's that fast. Like think about it, like my parents are fifty five in fifty six, right? Or mm, that's incorrect. No, that's right. That's right. My parents are 55 and 56, right? When I was 10 years old, my dad was not moving that fast. Like 10 years ago, yeah. my parents were not moving that fast. And he, he is moving unbelievably fast. It's just, it's crazy. Like, I'm, I'm willing to bet that he's a better boxer in his current state than probably at least 80% of the boxers that are currently fighting professionally. Yeah. Which is insanity. Yeah, like that. That is that is, and that's Tom Brady a, that's level test, stuff. That yeah. is Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship level stuff. It's a just testament to stuff.
0: just like their their willingness to to a keep themselves in good shape over their careers, and also just like to compete because like it's insane. Like I don't think I think that people have kind of because we've seen so many athletes go the distance more recently uh like you said you've got your tom brady's you've got your your aaron Rodgers, your yaramir yagers your ovechkins even in a few years will be there your charas um i think that people have kind of become numb to the whole like professional athletes playing into their 40s thing like people don't think it's as big of a deal as it is like talk to a 45 year old and like see how they're doing you know before you just like oh whatever like forty forty five age is just a number like it really isn't like I feel like those athletes should be given more credit than than they're given, um, but yeah on the note of Jake Degrom too we have to tell this story Seth I mean <laughs> we we absolutely have to tell this story so last night you know we we allegedly. Oh my- <laughs> <laughs> We allegedly sports bet here at TBR. Um, So (laughs) Seth and I, we, we communicate pretty often about our picks, and we go back and forth, and we ask for some locks. So last night was a big night. So Seth texted me early in the day. I was picking my dog up at daycare. And he texts me and goes, Jake DeGrom over 10 and a half Ks tonight. Like, absolute lock. Kind of pulled a carp with the whole Auburn well, team total over thing. I, 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 didn't,
1: I didn't say absolute lock. I said it's a pretty good match. And I also, <laughs> I, also, I also gave a bunch of reasons why it wouldn't hit, right? Like, he keeps on getting pulled. He's been pulled early from his last three starts. Not counting last night, he got pulled early from his last three starts. But then when he gets to go the distance, he's... He averages like ten. Even this season, actually, he averages ten point three strikeouts. Right, so when he's actually going the distance, he's getting like fourteen. But continue.
0: Right. Yeah. So he texted me earlier in the day. I don't like to place bets early, early on in the day if it's a night game because lines change, and you know, I right. like to get the lines at the very at the very last minute. I know some people will try and get him early to like get the best odds because they think that the, the odds are going to go down. But I, I like him fresh right before the game. It's like clear in my head. I make better picks at that time. So I'm at dinner with Lynch and Furulo and we're sitting there and we're all placing our bets for the night. Furulo and I are talking about running a couple parlays, whatever. And then I remember that Seth had told me the DeGrom thing. So I texted Seth and I go, what was the prop again? He said, Jake DeGrom over 10 and a half Ks. So I, I had it in my book at over nine and a half. But for some reason, I thought it was plus money. Like because it be
1: over. Over should, if it was over 10 and a half, it was plus 110.
0: So that's that was my issue. Is I was looking for the plus money. So over right. nine and a half was minus. So, so under so nine and a half is plus. So I just looked at the plus money, hit it, put 50 on it, accidentally placed a $50 bet on Jake DeGrom going under nine and a half. So Seth's telling me to go over. It's under nine and a half. I'm like, fuck. This I mean, is that's 50 so wild. <laughs> like this just makes it so much more crazy because I thought you had placed ten and a half. I didn't realize it was nine. And yeah, half. Oh, it was nine and a half. So I'm sitting there like that's a lost Please. bet. I just lost fifty bucks. So Seth's texting. So I text him and I go, I just accidentally put it in. And Seth's like, Why were you rushing? <laughs> You're like that's what he you are Like, Why were you rushing? I was like, I don't know, man. It just happened. <laughs> like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even explain it. I was so pissed because it's the worst feeling in the world when you know what you're going to play. It's like, sometimes you're on the book and you're kind of figuring it out as you go. But I knew what I was going to do, and I still got it wrong. So I was pissed. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, ah, I don't even know what to say right now. So he's texting me updates because you had the over. And you're texting me like, DeGrom's got, like, five Ks in one inning. <laughs> dude, dude, he literally he, he had two Ks in the first inning. Then
1: struck out the side in the second. So we had five through two. And then struck out the side again
0: in the third. He had a perfect game going. And Seth's texting me like, oh, he's got got eight strikeouts. One more. Like, you're fucked. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, fuck me. Like, this is awful. And then all of a sudden, I get a text from Seth. He got pulled. At (laughs) eight Ks, DeGrom gets pulled from the game. And I accidentally win my bet. It was the greatest feeling ever. (laughs) It was unbelievable. I, I was, it was literally fun. we we erupted in my backyard. Me, Lynch, and fro we all went nuts when you texted us that. I was like, "No, I thought you were fucking with me." I because I was like, "There's no way he's getting pulled in the third inning." A perfect well, the perfect thing is like I specifically told you before the game that he had kept on
1: getting pulled because he was injured. He had gotten injured a couple starts back, and so they were pulling him early for the sake
0: of just managing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, gets pulled in the third inning. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> It was it was nuts. So they said they pulled him with shoulder soreness. Here's my question. Do you think he actually had shoulder soreness, or are they trying to keep his ERA under one because he had a perfect game going?
1: Oh, no, it was definitely shoulder soreness. There is no way that they would have pulled DeGrom. No, I mean, think about it. There hasn't been a single game this season where he's given up runs because he went too late into a game. Like, that's just not... It wasn't you know you you, you don't pull a guy with a perfect game through three unless he's actually injured. The MRIs came back clean today, and he's officially day to day. Like they're hoping to avoid the IL, but he'll probably end up being you know he'll probably
0: he'll miss a start. I would assume. Yeah. Now I was just gonna say because like you know he's got like this insane ERA under one Right. right now. He's got a perfect game going and then gets pulled in the third inning. We were just sitting there laughing about it, but hey, man, like... That's he picked safe. up another
1: RBI, too, so he's got, like, two or three more RBIs and earned runs this year. Really? It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. That was the craziest evil- thing that
0: happened. <laughs> I wasn't
1: joking earlier when I said Jacob deGrom's hitting, like, 400, because he's yeah. actually got, like, a 400 batting
0: average. MVP. I mean, yeah,
1: probably. I mean it worked out in the end for me anyway, because I'm not the type of person who just like place one random bet. I'll use if I'm betting on a game, I'll bet four. And yeah. so I I had the strikeouts, I had the Cubs starting pitcher to give up a home run and the Cubs to lose. Yeah. And then I had Mets minus one and a half, and I had one other thing in there that I forgot what it was, but three of the four hit. Like, literally the only thing that didn't hit was the DeGrom thing, so it was fine. I was it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's too good. That's it's classic. It
1: was crazy. It was a crazy story. I would have been super pissed today if I hadn't gotten those
0: other three. Saved save by night, too, because we ran an MLB parlay and, and so at that same dinner table with Perulo, I'm fucking sitting there, and we like we're going through, and I don't know why more people don't do this, But we were like, why don't we just parlay, like, all the favorites and, like, all the heavy. Because all
1: the favorites never win.
0: But not every single, like, favorite online, but the heavy favorites, like, the minus Uh, 225. Why don't we parlay, like, five? Like, that's what I said. I'm like, why don't we parlay, like, five or six of those, put, like, 50 on it, and, and turn a nice little profit? So we did that, and... I was like, why don't we – I think we had a six-team parlay going at that point, all baseball teams. We had a few over and unders in there, too. We kind of sprinkled in a nice mix of everything. We did our homework, too. Like, we looked up the ATS records. We looked up the over-under records. We were doing our homework. And we had about six MLB teams in there, and I had 50 on it, but the return wasn't as nice as I wanted it to be. So I go, why don't we add, like, one more, like – Either we bet on the NHL or the NBA or something like that. Just add in something, like, spicy to just give it a nice kick, like an absolute lock. So I go, I heard the Atlanta Hawks have been playing well. They're playing tonight. Why don't we bet on them to cover? And Ferula was like, wah, 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 whatever. Yeah, the cover would have been a great bet. Cover would have been a perfect bet. So I said, let's take the Hawks to cover because they're pl- – I think they were – I don't know if they were plus to cover, but it was like plus seven and a half. That would have been a nice little booster for a seven. No, they, they probably would have been like minus, minus, minus 10. 115 or something. Yeah. 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 So all they had to do was like lose the game by seven, whatever. I, I wanted to take him plus on the money line because there were big plus money on the line, but it, I, it, like it was too risky. And Furulo talks me out of it and talks me into betting on the Vegas Golden Knights last night. I don't know how he did it, but he did. So, I don't bet on the Atlanta Hawks, and I bet on the Vegas Golden Knights. The Atlanta Hawks were down by 26 at one point, came 20, back. I think they were
1: down 27 going into the fourth I feel like. 27 going into the fourth quarter. Or something like that. So yeah.
0: I Because I, I saw a screenshot of the score was with like three minutes left in the third. It was on like Bleacher Report. Three minutes left in the third. They were down bad. They were down very yeah. bad. So, I was like, ah, this is over. So thank God I didn't bet on them. Um, and they come back and they win the game to take a 3-2 series lead. So I'm when that happens, I'm looking over at Ferulo. I'm like, I'm going to kill you. Like, literally, why didn't we bet on this game? And then the icing on the cake, Seth, all six of our MLB teams or our MLB bets hit. The one bet that didn't hit, the Las Vegas fucking Golden Knights lost to the Canadians. I was fuming. I said to Ferulo, we're never speaking again. We're not on <laughs> Nick Furulo and I are not on speaking terms right now after that. That was... Yeah, you know I don't like when people give me bad betting advice and I act on it? Even further, when you steer me away from a winning bet and drive yeah. me right into a losing bet. It's like when Michael Scott drives into the lake. And Dwight's like, you don't go there. There's a lake. That's what Furulo did last night. I was like, no, let's bet on the Hawks. And Furulo was like, losing Vegas. Like, I was... Because the payout would have been nice, too. I would have been set for life. Not set for life. But, but you know, set for life yeah, as an well age. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I was so pissed. Was uh, it was so mad.
1: <laughs> the problem with, like, like, it's a tough one, right? But, you know, the one thing that happened that was completely unpredictable was in the second half, the only field goals that got hit. I mean, jump shots and layups, not counting free throws. The only field goals that were hit were either hit by Seth Curry or Joel Embiid. Nobody else on the 76ers had a single field goal other than Joel Embiid and Seth Curry in the second half, which is just unbelievable. It's preposterous. It's crazy. Yeah, because I watched basketball. It's insane. It just doesn't... doesn't, Totally. I was
0: just going to say the same thing.
1: It's it's just too mind-boggling <laughs> to me to like actually form real English words.
0: Sweet. On just that note, run, <laughs> why don't we, before we get into the U.S. Open, while we're on the subject of baseball, let's talk about the MLB foreign substance thing really quick. I don't, I'm not like totally in the know about it, but what I do know is what Tyler Glasnow, whatever his name is. Glasnow, yeah. Whatever I saw his interview, and I'm, and he's a very well-spoken individual. And yes. I liked what he said, even though I don't know anything about the situation. <laughs> so I, so what I do know, I'll fill you in on what right. I know. And so, can, I know that the MLB released a new thing that said that you can get ejected for using foreign substances and like suspensions, and they're cracking down on, on what substances pitchers can use to get a better grip on the ball. And then the other side of it is like, the balls are too hard to grip and that the MLB won't work with the pitchers to, to like change that. Um, that's all I know. Yeah. So basically what's going
1: on is that there are these rumors going around that pitchers have been using, um, what they call quote unquote foreign substances. So, you're not allowed to rub a ball or discolor it, discolor it by rubbing it with soil, rosin, and you know, a bunch of other stuff. Um but rosin bags are illegal. That's what the like that dust thing, like that sack behind. Yeah, we you. have rosin at wiffle ball. Yeah, you can use that. Rosin's completely legal it's what what's happening is these players are either using pine tar or something called spider tack. And like, there's another name for it. And it's just this super sticky stuff that they're using. Yeah. And they basically like, if you watch and they've, a lot of the camera people just stopped zooming in on pitchers before they pitched, but the pitchers kept on grabbing the brim of their hat. And there are these instances in the past where pitchers have gotten thrown out of games for it. Like, um, I want to say it was Severino on the Yankees Literally had pine tar on um, the back of his neck. Michael so Pineda. He, oh, it was Pineda. Thank you. The pine
0: tar. It was at Fenway.
1: Yeah, and it was I, literally yeah. on the back of his neck, and so we kept on touching it, and they threw him out for that, right? Yeah. So there are instances in the past, and like they know it's illegal. It's always been illegal. This is not some new rule that the MLB is bringing in, and it's just that the MLB is finally actually cracking down on. So I am completely split on this issue, because one side of me says, if you're not good enough to pitch without using sticky stuff, you're not good enough to pitch in the MLB. You're just not. In my opinion, if you can't pitch without adding sticky stuff that isn't rosin to your hand, you should not be allowed to pitch in the MLB, because you're just simply not good enough. But there are a few things here that the players that you know the pitchers have spec- good gripes about. Mm-hmm. Number one is what Glasnow made a very big point about in his press conference. So Glasnow, a little bit of background um, info on him: very good pitcher for the Rays. He's an ace pitcher. You know, probably would have been in Cy Young contention. Has a partial tear of his UCL. The UCL is in your elbow. That's Tommy John surgery. That's what that yeah. is, right? So he's avoiding Tommy John for now. He's going to go through a six-month rehab period. I don't know what the specific rehab entails for that. All I know is that he's avoiding surgery. But immediately after this was coming out, he gets injured, right? And so what he was saying was the MLB said we're going to start suspending players. So he goes out against the Nationals without using anything, right? And then throws a really good game. He says it himself in this press conference. like, yeah, I threw a great game. I felt great. And then I woke up the next day, and his exact quote was, I was hurting in places that I didn't even know I had muscles. And then he goes out, and he throws in his next start, and something pops in his elbow, and it turns out he tears his UCL, right? So he blames the MLB, and I think rightfully so, Coming out with this mid-season, right? I I think he has a great point when he says that the MLB should have waited until the end of the season rather than forcing players who have been now. Granted, if you weren't cheating already, this shouldn't have been a problem for you, right? Right. Because you are cheating, you are breaking a rule. If you if if all of the pitchers in Major League Baseball are on board with this, every single one of them is using sticky stuff then they have a legitimate argument that they should be changing the rules of the MLB to allow for sticky stuff. But as the rules are sticky stuff that is not rosin is not allowed, and therefore you shouldn't be using it, right? But he makes a good point where if the MLB wants to make this decision in the middle of the season, it's going to hurt a lot of players because there's an issue with The balls, which brings us to our second point that the pitchers have a legitimate gripe with, which Jerry Blevins tweeted, the baseball itself is the real issue for me. Every baseball that enters the game is different than the previous one. Sometimes it feels good in your hand. Oftentimes, though, it feels like a dusty cue ball. So that's an issue. The MLB needs to be better about standardizing the baseball so that every single baseball feels the same. Right? And that is a, a legitimate issue that the pitchers have, that is a legitimate gripe that they are allowed to have. Frozen is used all the time, that is allowed. You know, and Blevins points out. You know, in in a tweet before this, saying pitchers use sunscreen and rosin every day parentheses myself included for control of the baseball. That's legal. I had never heard of sunscreen being used. Um. So the the, the rules ban now. Um, gets rid of previously acceptable combination of sunscreen and rosin, which was widely used for better control. This is an MLB, or this is an article that I'm currently reading, right? So now it's only rosin. That's all you're allowed to use. You used to be able to use sunscreen and rosin. I'd like to know what fucking sunscreen they were using personally, because I don't know if you've ever put sunscreen on, but I personally have never put on a sunscreen that I felt like improved my grip on anything. So what I'd love to know what sunscreen they were using in that situation. But he says, you know, pitchers used to use sunscreen every day, myself included, for control of the baseball. Other pitchers used foreign substances to enhance the spin rate. The old give an inch, take a mile. It went too far. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> right? So Blevins is complaining now that the sunscreen is being taken away from being allowed and that all you can use is rosin. Now what I think needs to happen is that the pitchers and you know whatever pitchers are representatives in the um uh players union need to sit down with the MLB and come up with some uniform substance that is accepted by all pitchers because Ron Darling made the point on the Mets broadcast the other night. And he said that Rosin didn't always work for him, that it wasn't like, it wasn't good enough for him. It didn't give him a good enough grip on the ball. Right? So if Rosin isn't good enough and there are guys who didn't trust Rosin by itself or Rosin and sunscreen, they need to come up with a uniform thing for all of the pitchers to use that is acceptable, or they need to figure out the baseballs and they need it to be that every single baseball is identical, right? You don't hear about quarterbacks complaining that one football felt different than another. Right. Be- and, you know, granted there's a lot of like a breaking in process that they go through at the footballs, but yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> It's different for every player because, you know, they've got the different inflations, whatever. But you don't hear guys complaining about the balls in football. You don't hear guys complaining about the balls in the NBA. You don't hear complaints really about the pucks in the NHL. There was a little bit of an issue a couple of years ago when they had that, like, tracker that they tried to put in it. that They were saying they yeah. messed up the puck. But other than that, you really don't hear about the pucks being an issue, right? So baseball is the only sport where we're hearing the players complain about there not being uniformity- in the most important part of the game, right? And I think I saw a couple people say, like, you know, if batters are allowed to use um, pine tar on their bats, then pitchers should be allowed to use pine tar on the baseballs. I don't necessarily agree with that logic. I agree that pitchers deserve to have something that allows them to grip the ball better, assuming that the ball isn't uniform. But then I also think to, like, high school, right? Like, we never had rosin bags on the mound. I don't think I ever heard any of our pitchers complaining that they couldn't grip the ball. They just pitched. Right. So if middle school and high school pitchers, and I would assume college for the most part as well, I don't know if cheating like that's really an issue in college. I do remember at Tulane, there was the guy that kept on doing this to his glove. Yeah, almost literally went out and just like barely looked at the glove. And then they're like, yeah, whatever you're fine. Like the the other coach like complained about it, but you know, if, Pitchers in high school can do it. Like there, there, there's a dude at like Phillips. I want to say it's Phillips Exeter. Either Phillips Exeter or Phillips Andover. That's a freshman that's throwing like 98 miles an hour. So if this freshman in high school can throw 98 miles an hour, presumably without putting any sticky stuff on the ball, you can throw your 80 mile an hour curveball without putting sticky stuff on the ball. Like don't you know? I the, the if there's a rule, you don't break it. And then you don't complain when you get told that you're going to get punished for it. But they do have a gripe that they're doing in the middle of the season. That's, I will give them credit. That is one thing. with a legitimate gripe
0: that's going to cause injuries. Yeah, so there's a few things that I guess I, I you can tackle it from a million different ways. Um, the first thing I'll say is that like I know what sticky tack or spider tack or whatever it is is. Because it used to be legal in the NFL, so way back, you uh, defensive backs and wide receivers would put spider tag on their hands and and, and like oh, we'll catch the ball, and and it would they would like it would literally stick to their hands. And let me, I saw it on Instagram the other day. Someone was talking about well, where, thing, some, there was a guy
1: who like broke the NFL record, yeah, or set the NFL record for interceptions, <laughs> and there's this fo- the photo is. He set the NFL records for fourteen intercept with fourteen interceptions in a single season. The next year the NFL outlawed Pine Tar, and you look at his arms and they're just
0: clever. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So you could like use Pine Tar and Spider Tack, and this guy set the record for interceptions in a season back I think it was still in the what twelve games of ten game season or something in the NFL. It was way back. Um I think so, potentially. And, and At one point he had like five in a game. Yeah. <laughs> Because literally if the ball was near him then you could just, just stick through if the if he could
1: put a, if he could put a finger on the ball he was gonna catch it right
0: so I know what it is and I know the strength that it has so no I don't condone the use of spider attack or pine tar or whatever it is but I also do I'm not a subscriber of the, like, okay, if the MLB is going to go this route of whatever, then we should figure out a way for all players to have, like, a universal substance that they can use. Booty putt, baby! Let's go, Scotty. Nice. I was watching that the whole way in. Long-ass putt. Nice. One Dude,
1: point. I wasn't paying attention, and all of a sudden I looked down, there's a bunch of women on my screen. I was like, what's happening? Yeah, you changed the channel. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "What? what is this?" In the middle? I mean, it's golf. <laughs> But it's not the golf that I was supposed to be watching. In the middle
0: of when you were talking about the whole pine tar, thing, you can see me like visibly confused as to what I'm watching, and <laughs> realize that they changed the channel because it's seven o'clock. Oh man, that's too good. Um, but yeah, I don't subscribe to the MLB being like, all right, let's find a universal substance to help everybody cheat. I don't, I don't think that they should go down that route. I think if you're going to go down any route, change the baseballs. Um, yes, but I also feel like. There's a sense of gamesmanship in this that I've always kind of liked, you know? Like, I know there's a rule against it. And, yes, I, I am not condoning the use of the fucking spider tack and the pine tar and the gorilla glue on your hands. No. But this the sunscreen thing's been around for a while, and I remember specifically, shout-out to Danny Picard. He used to be on EEI, I think. He had a radio. He had, like, his own YouTube channel. He's from Southie. Um, and then he he got hired by EEI. and he actually had some good takes, classic like Boston guy. He was like the first one to cover this. It was back when Clay Buckles was pitching for the Red Sox. There was a big issue over Clay Buckles using Bullfrog sunscreen spray. So Bullfrog is like pretty good sunscreen spray. I've used it before, a little sticky, but people were saying that he would they would watch him and he'd do the rosin. He had long greasy hair. He'd like. He grabbed rosin. He like touched the back of his hair, get some bullfrog sunscreen spray on there, and this guy actually tested it out. So this guy, Danny Picard, I don't know if the video still exists. I'm, I'll, I'll try and find it. I'll flip it to you if I do. But he tested it out. He he went and he threw a pitch at you know MLB pitch length, and basically did one with nothing on his hand, nothing on the ball, and threw a pitch. And then he did rosin and bullfrog sunscreen spray on his hand, and he said, like immediately there's a significant difference. You can just yeah. you can just grip the ball better. So I kind of missed the gamesmanship in that sense of it. I don't I don't know if I'm the only one, but I but I feel like there was a sense of like you know, a little like just gamesmanship, you know? Yeah. Like like rules that were meant to be bent a little bit.
1: But that's not even, like, that's not a bending or a breaking of the rules. You were allowed to use sunscreen and rosin. That was a, like, rosin is 100% acceptable. They literally encourage you to use it because they put a bag of it behind the mat.
0: Right, yeah.
1: But then the sunscreen and rosin was something that you were allowed to use. Because it it literally said in that article the previously acceptable mixture of sunscreen and rosin.
0: Yeah. So, like, you are allowed to use it. Yeah, so if you're allowed to use it, like, I think you should. And, like, you know, it's just I don't, I don't subscribe. I don't think that – I don't know how to put this, but I kind of appreciate the whole gamesmanship of, of doing it, you know? And here's the other thing, too. This was something that the Rays pitcher said. Everyone does it, you know? It's kind of one of those things that, like, like you can't – like, Seth, you can't tell me. It, it, same thing in football, like the whole deflate gay thing, and we could, we could have a field day about that. Everyone doctors footballs. I think every MLB pitcher has used something, even if it's not, you know, sunscreen spray or whatever. We've all seen Major League. We all know that they got the Vaseline on the chest and you know whatever they use some snot on the ball if they need it. They've got it, and then well, you, that's legal. you can lick your hands. Licking your yeah. hands like, oh, yeah. actually, yeah. and that works. You know that is an
1: underrated use of of your <laughs> like actually if you I, I don't know if you've ever done it. If you lick your hand, and there are rules about it too, where it's like. You can't lick your hand when you're actually standing on the mound. You have to lick it on your way back up to the mound. like Otherwise, it's a balk, which is weird and stupid. But if you lick your hand, wipe it off, and throw, it, you actually get, like, really? grip. Like, it's, it's a real thing. I've, I've done it before, and I'm like, it actually makes
0: you better. But, yeah. So, I guess my whole point of what I'm trying to say is, like, I don't think there needs to be any drama around this necessarily because I feel like it's forever one of those things that's just like, uh, and that's why baseball is great is because there's a lot of things like that. There's a lot of little gamesmanship, like unwritten rules that just kind of occur and it's part of the game. And like, it's stuff that like we do when we're playing wiffle ball too, or when, when you were a kid and you were playing pick up baseball or you were playing by yourself in the backyard that, you know, you, you would, it's just kind of those like little things that you pick up on, you know, it, 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 so that's what I like about baseball. I don't think that there needs to be like drama around it. I don't think there needs to be cracking down around it. I feel like, you know, it's it just kind of it's one thing if you're throwing spider tack on your hands because obviously that's different, but like, I think that you know if you're doctoring your balls a little bit and and you're finding ways around the rules and you're not getting caught, then like whatever, everyone does it, so I don't have that much of an issue with it.
1: Yeah, I don't take an issue with people like discoloring the ball. I think there's a problem if you're discoloring the ball by. Using something sticky, like I don't. I, I think if if you're using rosin on a ball or something, like if you had a ball with you and you were just covering that thing with rosin because you wanted to make the ball stickier, I think that's okay. Because if you're allowed to use rosin anyway, who cares, right? Like rosin's already acceptable. I don't think yeah. you should be allowed to like rub pine tar on
0: the ball. or something. No, at least you rub pine tar. But I think the substances that like you know substances, the you know the the the, the stuff that's you know. You kind of, I kind of appreciate the whole bending the rules thing a little bit. Cool. Um, I don't know. I, 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 really, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not here like they shouldn't use anything because there's a lot of people who don't think they should even have rosin on the mound. Um, yeah, like, it, like if you said, don't think that they should be allowed to have rosin, you're ridiculous. Yeah. I, I agree. Like, like I made the
1: point right. Like, if you can't pitch without using something, then maybe you're just not that good.
0: Well, that's the thing too. Is it? And I think it's not that they can't. It's like you're way better off if you do, you know what I'm saying? Like like you can pitch with nothing and just go, you know, nothing on your hand, nothing on the ball and just grip it and rip it. And like you're and I think a lot of these pitchers, I know a lot of these pitchers are talented enough to do that. You don't make it to the MLB if you're not, but like if you can doctor your baseballs a little bit, And it's well within your rule to do it. And even if it's not, if you're a little like, you know, whatever, I mean, who knows? Like some of these guys are pulling out crazy stocks that we don't even know about. I mean, I think everyone's just like hypersensitive because of the whole cheating scandal. And now the steroid use is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I think that when stuff like this comes out, people try to blow it out of proportion a little bit. I don't think it's that big of a deal because I saw a ton of people on Twitter, like, oh, they shouldn't have anything like ban rosin, ban sunscreen, like fucking ban rosin. Rosin bags have been in the MLB on the back of the mound forever. So where is that going right. from? Yeah. And if you want to nitpick the sunscreen thing. It's not like it just started this year. People have been right. using sunscreen forever. You can't ban yeah, Ger- sunscreen. Jerry
1: Levins has been retired for like three seasons now, I want to say, and he pitched for like 12 years in the MLB before that. So it's at least like 15 years old,
0: probably longer. And hey, and we don't even know what they were using back in the day, back in the day. You right. know, when when you could smoke a fucking stogie at bat, like <laughs> ordering pizza in between innings way back in the day. Like we just don't it ever. It well, just ordering
1: happened. pizza between innings is not way back in the day. That's like 05 Red Sox.
0: Hey, I know. With Josh <laughs> Beckett. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's my favorite baseball story. I love that. I pizza find that hilarious.
0: And Chinese food. <laughs> they would get some low man delivered. To, I mean, why not though? Right? You're not yeah. playing. Who cares? That's what I was saying the other night to, to like Lynch. I was like, like it's so fun to be in the MLB, especially if you're like a a relief pitcher. That's a that you're having the time of you your life after like, you're tra-
1: like yeah. eight innings.
0: You're traveling with the team. You, if if you even get in a game, you're pitching like one or two innings max. You know, you get to chill with the boys in the bullpen. You've got the spoons going. You can get food. You can listen to music. You literally
1: aren't going to throw more than, like, 15 to 20 pitches most of the right. time.
0: Like, People don't even know you. Like, it's awesome. You're getting paid to, to live this lifestyle. Who cares if you order some Puppa back there? I don't. <laughs> I don't That's know. what I like about baseball. You know, if we're talking about, like, hockey, different conversation. But I like baseball because of that.
1: Alright. Well that's the thing too. Like baseball's different in the sense of like like hockey, if you're on the bench, you're playing. Like you're gonna get in the game for a significant playing, yeah. time. Yeah, if you're on the
0: ice, you're playing, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Not really that big of a deal to me. I mean, if it was TBR wiffle ball, maybe we're having a different conversation. <laughs> I don't know if I'd like anyone doctoring wiffle balls <laughs> something we might have to crack down on. Yeah, I don't know, man. The Padres might need it this weekend. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know who I'm going to start this weekend. Myself or (laughs) Ferulo.
1: I just hope that Brownie shows up. Can we tell Brownie that we're starting like an hour before we're actually supposed to start?
0: (laughs) I was thinking about getting a permanent replacement for Brownie for the rest of the season because he just like he shows up with such a piss poor attitude. He shows up fucking 45 minutes late. He just doesn't want to be there. Yeah, but he pitches well. (laughs) And then he's complaining about how long we're taking. It's like, maybe if you showed up on time, this wouldn't be taking so long.
1: That's one thing, but also (laughs) it didn't help that Cusolito was walking the bases.
0: All right, but that is – like, Brownie had to leave before game three. By the way, we're talking about a video that's going to be out tomorrow, so if you're listening to this podcast, like, now – You don't know what we're talking about. But, hey, that's your prize for listening to the podcast is that you get to hear about what happened in the Wiffle Ball series. Uh, But, like, Brownie knew a week in advance that I needed him. And I don't ask much of people. I don't demand much in terms of the Wiffle Ball League. It's very simple. And I was talking to Lynch about this yesterday. I feel like we're pretty on the ball with scheduling this year more than last. I text people and I say, hey, when are you free? They tell me, and then we just figure it out. And if someone can't come or, like, something happens, we just go, and it's, like, next guy up. Brownie knew about this a fucking week in advance, agreed to do it, and, like, had it on his schedule. I said, all right, what time do we play? 2.30 or 2 o'clock or something? 2.30 on, like, Saturday or whatever. I was, like, just show up at the field. I'm going to be there early setting up. If you want to be there earlier, that's fine, but, like, don't be late. Um, he's like, all right, uh, first of all, he wasn't even supposed to work, and then he picked up a shift like the day before, so he wasn't even supposed to go anywhere, so he has to leave the game early, so he leaves after the second game, and he's bitching to me during the whole second game, like, oh, can we hurry this up, like, I want to leave and go to work, I want to go work out, like, I want to eat, whatever. It's like, he worked up before he got there. I know, which is also his fault, he's bitching about how tired he was, like, buddy, you knew about this a week ago, I didn't tell you to work out at one thirty when you had a 2 o'clock wiffle ball game. Like, and I was saying this to Lynch too like, I don't, like we had some people drop out of the league this year from Lynch's team I don't, I don't subscribe to the whole like oh I'm busy this summer kind of thing like okay whiffleball takes less than two hours you're not yeah. busy 24 hours 7 days a week like I get that people have busy weeks and people are working jobs and whatever but like people who just like won't play because they're busy this summer it's like fuck you honestly and Brownie was like yeah, I'm just like busy. Like, well, you're, you're not like it'd, it'd be one thing if you were busy with something that you had to do. But Brownie doesn't have to go to the gym for seven hours and then take like an hour shower after. Hey, that rhymes. <laughs> you know, like he left the gym. So tell me how Ferrullo got there on time and Brownie didn't. And they went to the gym together. How did that happen? <laughs> that I, I didn't know that part of the story, actually. They went to the I- gym together. And Brownie showed up like an hour after Ferrullo. That just goes to show you, this kid is not committed, you know? And that's why we're going to spank you guys this weekend. Cause he just he's not committed. We're sweeping. We're sweeping. That's just not happening. happening. You and I both know that I'm not going to let my team go 0-6. I don't care what I have to do. I will stab Brownie and have, make sure <laughs> players. I am not letting my team go 0-6. That's pathetic. After coming in second last year and qualifying for the World Series, that never happened. I am not letting us go zero six. By the way, the Diamondbacks <laughs> suck. Can I just say that they they shouldn't have won any games against you guys. That they should have lost the first game. They're not good. Yes. No, they were they, fun uh... series to watch, and it was fun to like be a part of it. Like, well, and I were there filming. They're not good. The yeah, Yankees. Funny issue the issue with
1: that too is I think we would have gotten them if I could actually throw.
0: Well, like I, I, okay, I, I so so. Brownie shouldn't have committed the error. Like going back and looking at it, the ball should have never ended up where it ended up in the first place. Right. So right. In hand, it's a comebacker to Brownie. But we also had a, just we rose the ball. <laughs>
1: we had agreed before the game. I was like, Hey guys, if I have the ball and you're like at third base, just don't run. Cause it's not fair. Cause I can't throw. And then they ring.
0: I get that. But also like the argument. So if it, if it was just like a gapper out there, then I would have held him at third and said, like, don't go any further. But it's the fact that there was such a play to be made by Brownie. Right. Yeah. But he could have just held the ball and you have runners on first and second with one out. And you guys probably win that game. But, but he grabs the ball after everyone is safe and just chucks it into the outfield for no yeah. reason. So at that point, it's like, all right, I can't like I mean, say it's fine. Like, it
1: all it all ended up. Fine yeah, inning. you guys. Want like to going two and one season. was fine. I expect us to
0: win. And he screwed them on a call in that inning too. I in the video you can see it's the play before that. Remember the one we reviewed? When we said he was out. Or yeah, we, got it, or we like, said he was out. We got it wrong. I got oh, it wrong. Oh really? I don't know how we got it wrong. We literally went back and looked we at the video. We went back and watched it. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't off.
1: watch it with <laughs> you. Watched it. I wasn't paying attention
0: yeah it was me and Farul and we both came together and I was like Farul what do you think I was like I think his foot isn't on the bag. and then you look I, it's it's hard too because the camera screen is so fucking small right,
1: right. Okay. and you also can't turn it because that screen's fixed you don't yeah. have one and you're going
0: frame by frame like right, right so yeah. you, it takes forever to get because you have to start at the very beginning of the video and scroll all the way to the end it'd be easier if we had like a monitor or whatever but yeah I don't know how we missed that but didn't end up impacting the game. Again, so I
1: mean, yeah, they won
0: anyway, so it didn't matter. Right? Yeah, I'd feel worse if if we fucked it up and they ended up losing the game, or if it was like a game deciding call and we got it wrong. But right. we'll try to get calls wrong again. All right, should we talk U.S. Open? <laughs> yeah, real briefly before I uh, go and eat some food. Yeah, Sam, I'm starving. Um, let's just—I mean, there's not much to like analyze here. It's a golf tournament um but let's just talk about who we like obviously today we had some obviously being the alleged betters that we are we had some you know bets plays i liked brooks kepka to lead after round one today it didn't end up happening he still had a
1: solid round though
0: he had a solid round he made a few mistakes he had two bogeys like two bad bogeys where he made some mistakes just didn't put the ball in the fairway didn't put the ball in the right places poor decision-making, I think, on his part, maybe, just got a little too aggressive. Um, but, hey, he's two under right now after the first day. That's a pretty good spot to be in. Um, yeah, especially, I mean,
1: that's only two strokes back.
0: Yeah, and and he was playing very well. There was a string of, like, I think four or five holes where he birdied, like, every hole, and he just was, he, he looked like he was on his game, striking the ball well, hitting a lot of fairways, getting off the tee, even though, like, I think he ended up going, like, eight for eight for 18 on fair or, or no, not 18 because you have a few par threes. I think he ended up hitting eight fairways out of how many there were, maybe more. I don't know. But even the ones where he wasn't hitting the fairway, he was crushing the ball. So I think he looked good. I, I think he can make a serious run at this thing. Let's talk John Rahm for a second. A yeah. lot of people are big on John Rom. Granted, we wanted to do a podcast last week. Didn't end up happening, but a lot of people are big on John Rom. Because of what happened at the Memorial Tournament to win the U.S. Open. And I said this to Seth before the episode. Never before in like golf or any sport have I seen people ride someone so heavily as a favorite for literally no reason. Yeah. So John Rahm at the Memorial Tournament had to drop out because he was a positive. Was he a positive test? Yeah, he
1: tested positive. That's why they pulled him. So he tests there's, positive. There's
0: and he's the far and away number one in that tournament, was running away with the yeah, tournament. He was up so by
1: like eight like, strokes or something. Yeah, like he those. had a
0: massive lead, and they forced him to withdraw because he had a positive test. I have but my he own literally thoughts. You would have had to have gone like
1: seven over in order to lose that tournament. Right. He, wasn't, he just wasn't going to lose.
0: No. Uh, and, you know, I have my opinions about them forcing him to withdraw. I know that, you know, a lot well, of people. Are- whatever it is a positive test but also so like- i mean my, my thought on
1: it is in that exact situation the fact that we had gotten to that point and he tested positive the right call was to separate him from people and quarantine him do i think that they probably could have set it up so that a rules official stood on like the far side of the fairway and counted his strokes and he went out there at like 6.40 AM with nobody else out there but his caddy, who he probably already exposed, right? Because he would have been yeah. next to his caddy the whole round. There's no guarantee that he was next to the other golfers in his group, right? But he was definitely right next to his caddy. He definitely exposed his caddy. So I think that it would have been fair to allow him to go out there. Without anybody else on the course, just one rules official who stays way away to make sure that he's not cheating on his strokes or whatever. Not that I think that he was gonna cheat, but just you right. know there's a reason why we have more than one golfer and that we have rules officials, right? Is to ensure that every scorecard's correct. But I don't think he ever should have taken a swing at that tournament. We knew that on Monday he got exposed and he was in their special testing protocol where he was getting tested every day. We've known for like the past year that it can take as many as eight days for COVID to show up and for people to test positive after being exposed. So why the PGA thought it was acceptable to even allow him to take a swing after he was a direct contact with someone who had tested positive, that's who deserves it. The PGA deserves the blame for even allowing him to start that tournament. They They made the right call by pulling him out when they did, but I don't think he ever should have been in the position to play. It just shouldn't have happened.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And I didn't think about the whole like having him play by himself thing. I'm gonna take a harder head approach to this. I think they should have let him finish the tournament. These guys are all fully vaccinated. No, all they're upon- not.
1: That's how he got it. I, well actually we can't say that for sure, but I okay, think he so for the most part. something
0: that he wasn't. Okay, whatever. Um to me at this point, with the amount of people that uh, with the amount of people that are vaccinated as they are. And what they're telling us the vaccine does for you and the numbers of COVID and, and all of that, to me, it just it, it doesn't seem like like it's that big of a threat for him to finish that tournament.
1: I just I don't think that you can take the chance of having him be near other people, right? Because you you aren't, they are not mandating that people get vaccinated to show up to these tournaments. They did not mandate that the players themselves got vaccinated, right? The PGA never, you know, and I don't think there's a single league in, professionally that said all players have to get vaccinated or all staff has to get vaccinated, right? Yeah. They all left it up to a personal decision. So I, I just, the, once he was COVID positive, I just don't see how you can allow him to be out in society.
0: I just, I just,
1: I just think that, that it's changed, you know? But here's like, as, as much as you're absolutely right, like cases are down to like less than 5,000 a day in the United States. And like, you know, it is super unlikely now. Like it is way more unlikely than it's ever been that you're actually going to get it in the United States because how many people have gotten it and how many people are vaccinated. Like there's a large, I don't think we've officially hit like the technical, like, Boundary for herd immunity, quote unquote, but we're getting yeah, very right, yeah that way the cases are. It's very unlikely that you're going to get it. But once you know that someone has it, you still have to follow what we've been doing, right? Like I don't think that it's a big enough deal to like shut down a tournament and like force everybody there to quarantine. But I think if one person does test positive, you can't have someone who is actually positive for it just go out there and be around a bunch of people because that's how we spread it again, right? Like that's how. Yeah. We, if,
0: I mean, I, agree, I agree to disagree. I mean, he was asymptomatic. I think that I'll say this again: can, like we you, were, you can spread it. Yes, you can still spread it. Cancer, but, right, right. I, I know you can still spread it, but I'll fall back to what I said about the Bruins thing again. If you're not vaccinated and you're going to these tournaments, you're playing these tournaments. It's your choice. Do you know right, right. what you're it's up your against? It's your choice to potentially <laughs> expose yourself, right? Like, it, it is your
1: choice to show up to a stadium full of 19,000 people with the idea that, yes, there's a theoretical possibility that one person in that 19,000 has COVID and you could potentially get it by going. But it's a different story when you're actually showing up to a place and you know for 100% certain that that person has COVID.
0: But right. Like, I find it different? thing, too. Like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't trust this whole thing. Like he was in there testing protocol for days and days and days. And it's not, it it,
1: it was, it was that Monday that he got exposed, entered the protocol. And then Thursday, two days later,
0: he 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 dropped out on Saturday,
1: didn't he? Right. He, he drops out on Saturday. But the thing is, is when you think about it, right, he got exposed on the Monday. So he gets tested on Tuesday, gets tested on Wednesday, presumably gets tested before he plays on Thursday. Whether or not he actually got a test back before he started playing is a different story, that's literally three days later, and we know that it can take up to eight days, right? So it, it had been less than a week since he had originally
0: gotten exposed. Right, so, so he took three tests, so were any of those negative?
1: All of them were negative until, until the positive? Yeah, so that's was my
0: test. issue, is like... But, but we, that's, I don't think, You're I think it should, should develop over days. I get that. But right. at the same time, like this could easily be, I just think there was way too much at stake and way too much ambiguity around it to force him it's to drop at, out of the tournament.
1: At, at this point, at, because they let it get to the point where they let it get to, he should have been allowed to finish the tournament, just not be near people, right? They should have made him go out super early and just not be around people so that he, he, they don't risk giving another person COVID. But I still maintain that he never should have played in the tournament because you can't tell me that we've been sitting here since last March with this quarantine. And we've known since probably the middle of last summer that you can take like you can get exposed and then eight days later test positive and then say it's okay for him to show up on Thursday after being exposed on that Monday. Right? It'd be a different story to me if he showed up on Thursday after getting exposed, like the previous Thursday or the previous Wednesday, right? because at that point, yeah. it's been a week or over a week, and he presumably would have tested negative seven times in a row. I think at that point, there's a justification for allowing him to play, but three days after he gets exposed, I don't care if he got tested every hour since he got exposed, there's n- all of the science points towards You can test positive after A three day, like up to eight days After exposure, so they just Never should have let him play, they never should
0: have. Yeah, fair enough, I don't know Agree or disagree on it, but anyway People are using that as the reason Why they think he's going to win the US Open Right, he's a yeah. favorite Yeah, <laughs> he's a heavy favorite In every single sports book Like, far and away favorite Which to me is absurd That Okay, yeah, John Ron's a very good golfer, one of the top golfers in the world, but to sit here and say that because he had to drop out of the Memorial Tournament, for that being the reason why he's such a far-and-away favorite, it's crazy to me. Like, yeah, insane. I don't know. First of all, I don't think he's winning this tournament. I, I didn't bet on him. I don't even know that he finishes in the top five. I don't know why people are so big on him. I, John Ron's one of those guys that, like, well, I mean, he's I also no, he's he's not, not top ten golfer in the world, right? Yeah, but he's also not consistently top five in like these majors or in these tournaments, right? Like, like he is. has a lot of wins, but in between those wins, he's not knocking on the doorstep. Where whereas you have guys like Jordan Speak has been top five in like a ton of tournaments this season. I, of course, John Rahm sits a birdie putt as I say that. Um, <laughs> <Does he> have- <laughs> yeah, long birdie pot too.
1: I mean, he's 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 one under through three. He he's gone birdie, bogey, birdie now, right? Isn't
0: that yeah, yeah? But like, you have guys like Jordan Spieth who are like consistently top five, and then they get a win. You have guys who are always there. I don't. I feel like he's not always there. I put him in that Patrick Reed category of like they'll win and they and they'll win a lot, but when they aren't winning, they're like missing cuts and like you know not even cracking the top twenty-five. I don't know if that's just my thought on it. But it's very odd for me to sit here and be like, yeah, John Rahm's the runaway favorite for the U.S. Open. Right. For no would be one thing if he was coming off a huge win at the Memorial or, like, you know, people hammered DJ after the Masters to win, like, whatever was next. Like, that, a player coming off of a big win or off of a big tournament, I can understand the hype behind them. But John Rom, yeah, he had a good tournament at the Memorial and had to drop out. Like, In no way do I think that shapes his outlook at the U.S. Open. He might win. Anybody has a fighting chance at this point. We're on day one. It's, you know, 730 on Thursday. Got a lot of golf to be played. Anyone has a chance right now. Uh, Just to to back you up in what you said. Yeah.
1: Since September, which was the last U.S. Open, right? So in what is considered 2021 PGA Tour tournaments, he's finished – he finished 23rd at the u.s open in september then 17th second then three straight sevenths, 13 five then all the way back at 32 another top 10 finish fifth at the masters then all of a sudden misses the cup at the wells fargo gets 34th at byron nelson eighth at the pga championship then obviously would have won memorial but had to withdraw and now he's sitting at 23rd technically but obviously he's only 3-3 three, three holes so you're absolutely right this guy's all
0: over the place he's also never won a major right uh, if I'm not has, mistaken I don't know he has I don't think he's won a major he's never won the masters he's never won the US Open he's never won the Open so that leaves what does that leave the PGA Championship so the issue with yeah he has he has no majors I don't think
1: yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's it's tough to tell because the way ESPN does it, I couldn't get PGA to load. So the way ESPN does it, you can only see it year by year.
0: The closest Since I'm literally he's just looking through is third at the U.S. Open in 2019. That's the closest he's come to a major. And this guy's your favorite. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't understand I mean, the
0: hype behind it. I don't. I don't get why people are so big on him to win this. I feel like it's. I like Brooks a lot. That's the all i come thing, out to. I like Brooks a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brooks looked great today. I think Shoffley, I think just because it, it's his hometown course, like he grew up in the area, you know, he had been there as a spectator. Um, so I think yeah. Shoffley, and he, he's. He, I think he finished tied with Kepka today. I think he finished at 2-under. So I think that, yeah, you know, I Shoffley, I, I like Molinari to, like, be in first after round three and then just totally collapse on sunday also didn't know that molinari had a brother that was on the pga yes <laughs> and,
0: and they just, played
1: together <laughs> dude, dude what's, what's wild it's like this morning when i i got up and i was at work right and i was sitting around because you know the way work works is i work for like 45 minutes and they have nothing for me to do for two hours and so I'm sitting there, right. I'm just kind of following the scores, following the scores. And at the top of the leaderboard was E Molinari,
0: Eduardo. and I was like,
1: wait. So was his name like F. Francesco Molinari? Because I always that's thought, what I thought I, was I thought like too. Molinari. I was like, I
0: thought it was Francesco. Yeah, that's <laughs> and what, I was, I was like that. I was like, I thought that's what his name was. And then all of a all sudden, really they're they
1: talking on the broadcast. They're like, yeah, his brother. I was like, what? Good.
0: Um, but yeah. This is, this is my approach, especially from a betting standpoint, when I'm placing futures on guys. Golf's in this weird limbo right now where, where you really don't – you have a lot of no-names that are cracking the top ten and the top five and winning. So whereas you had the Tiger and the Phil era, which lasted throughout the 2000s, where those were your two guys in every tournament they were there. And they, they had their more than fair share of winnings, but also even, even when they weren't winning, they were right there. Then you kind of transition. Yes,
1: they're like the top.
0: Yeah. Then the they're torch Like they're was always on. in the
1: top, whatever.
0: Right, yeah. Then the torch was passed on to like Rory and Ricky for a little bit. Um, and Pete Fowler for like six months
1: was Ricky there. Guy, yeah. He started you, wearing bright orange full jumpsuits and
0: never won again. So that's when golf like got young and everyone got hype around Ricky. I think people made him out to be better than he was. Um, I mean, he's a good golfer, like obviously, but I don't think he was ever like the peak that people thought he was going to be. Rory McIlroy was very good. Jordan Spieth kind of fit him into that category a little bit. Spieth just
1: dominated for a while, but he fell off for so long.
0: Right. Well, they all did. All three of them did at that same time. They just disappeared. And that's where golf is right now. So, yeah, you can you, you can make the argument like oh DJ is your superstar like DJ and um like John Rom, Bryson, DJ Brooks are like those guys, but Golfs in this limbo where they aren't always like DJ's miss missed the cut at back to back majors. John Rom has right. never won. Like like your top guys aren't even consistently in the top ten of the top five at every tournament. They're missing the cut at majors. So Golfs in this weird spot right now where like. You've got some randos who who have fighting chances and are cracking top fives pretty consistently. So that's where it be- it come it becomes hard to predict who's going to win these tournaments because you know I look at a tournament like this and I want to say like oh you know Bryson DeChambeau is going to win or John Rahm the heavy favorite he's going to give it a good run or even Brooks who played really well today. But I still really believe that it's going to be like a middle of the pack guy who's going to be right yeah, there. Just on Sunday. some
1: random winner.
0: So I like Kevin Streelman. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes down to this. My dad's college roommate is like friends with him. He looks like a great guy. He's got a cool name. He's played well. He has consistently this season been like top five, top three. He almost like it wasn't the masters. Maybe it was um, it was a, it was one of the more recent tournaments. He was like there. He was like I think leading going into Sunday and didn't end up winning. It was one of the ones where Westwood Oh he, he, the
1: PGA championship, he was yeah. in contention to end up just like winning because Brooks and Phil were kind of falling apart and then Phil just ran off with it.
0: Yeah, that and then the one that Bryson won. Was it Travelers or like the 3M or something? It wasn't like a it wasn't a major. But I think it was the Travelers. Um, insurance championship or open or whatever. It was that one where Bryson right. were paired together. They were paired together yeah, back, exactly. back. Yeah, yeah. it was one of those two. Lee Westwood was like in third and was knocking on the door. So not Lee, Lee Westwood. Um, Kevin Streelman was in third, knocking on the doorstep. So I really like him as a top five finisher this week. I really do. Um, I don't think I think has he teed? He must have just teed off. They're they're behind because of weather.
1: Um, yeah, he's at. He's. I think. Yeah. I think you're right. I think he just teed off.
0: Yeah. So I like him. I Brooks played really well today. I like Brooks. Um, Paul Casey. I'm going to
1: take uh, Louis Ustasen just because I think his name's funny.
0: I walked the course with Louis Ustasen at um at the Dell Technologies in 2018 on pro oh, really? day. I walked That's the awesome. course. Great fucking guy. Great guy. I love Louis Ustazen. He's also consistently been like a top five guy this year too. So. He could definitely, like, see, I don't want to outright say that any of these guys are going to win because the tournament's going to change so much, but I think well, no, top it's, it's going to end five up being.
1: Let's see, what's one name that I'm looking at that I've literally never oh, seen? The
0: Spanish kid. He, he was playing so well. Cabrera Romero or whatever. He's in third right now. He played phenomenal today.
1: Oh, Cabrera Bella. Or probably,
0: yeah. probably Cabrera Bayo. Yeah, Cabrera Bayo. He was. I was watching him. all I watched all day today because there were people cleaning my house, so I couldn't, like, leave my room. So I watched all day, which is rare for me to watch a Thursday golf tournament. Like, I, I start tuning in all day, Saturday, Sunday. Today I watched all day, watched every single shot from the U.S. Open. So he played well. I'm going to throw my picks out there right now just so they're out in the universe. So if any of them actually hit, I can say I told you so on the next episode. Um, Jason Kokrak. Top 10 finish. Shane Lowry, top 10 finish. Brooks Kepka, top five finish. Rory McIlroy, top 10 finish. Patrick Reed, top 10 finish. Paul Casey, top five finish. Colin Morikawa, top five finish. That's my guy. Kevin Streelman, top five finish. And then Scheffler to, to lead after one round. I had Brooks leading after one round too, but he's in third right now. But Scheffler's still playing. So we'll see. But those are my picks, people.
1: Nothing would make me happier than Kevin Kisner somehow winning. He won't just because he doesn't hit the ball long enough. Like, this is way too long of a course for him to win. And he's also too over off of it. But, like, I just think it would be hilarious. Like, I just want – one of these days I want to see him win a tournament that everyone's like, no, he doesn't hit it long
0: this course definitely benefits the long ball hitter, so a guy like Bryson. Yeah, dude, it's like seventy eight
1: hundred yards, isn't it? Yeah, they'll have a field day. He, the, the issue, the issue with Bryson right now is he's all over the place off the tee. Yeah, also, the question, the same Brooks, but. What's the what's the point of the red line? Because in my mind, the red line, line means out of bounds. But Brooks just oh. not, Bryson hit after passing the red line. So Like, what's the point of the red line? Did he? It, earlier in the round, so it was a par three, and he, I forget if he missed long or if he missed left, but he bounced off and then went over this, like, hill, right? And it passed over this red line that was drawn, like, maybe 15 feet past the green down the hill, and he hit from back there.
0: So usually, like, I mean, it, to me, the red line in the red states is out of bounds, and they put it near, like, a hazard. But I don't know. Because now that you say that, I think Brooks did it earlier today, too. Like, blasted one past the green. I just know that he... It is the out-of-bounds marker.
1: His his tee shot went over there. Then he took his second shot, and it landed in the rough right next to it. Then he took his third, and it went right up next to the pin, and he tapped it in.
0: See, I I don't know the rules of golf well enough. I play golf. I'm a six handicap, and I watch golf all the time. But I don't know the rules to that... Like, see, in my
1: brain, a red line means out of bounds, but clearly it
0: didn't happen. So yeah, the red that. line and the red stakes mean out of bounds at a golf course to so the out of play area, but I don't know. Because
1: there's also close. like a really famous <laughs> clip of I forget who, but someone like landed. it was like this trench thing, and um it was like red on both sides and he purposely dropped like really close to it on a, in a way where it just rolled into it like three times, then he got to like clean and place his ball instead. Yeah. It, it's like a weird quirk in the rules. But yeah, like that, they played that like it was out of bounds until so he had to he had to take a drop, right? But like, yeah. Bryson didn't take a drop. If he did, he would have fived the hole. He would have had a double bogey. I mean, he's one over right now, but like...
0: Because like... I'm thinking, too, like, there's been times, like, Brooks today blasted one into, like, the concessions area, and it landed under a picnic table. Like, you're telling me that's that's not in, outside the Red Stakes either? And they yeah, let him play it. So maybe, maybe, I don't, I, I really don't know, maybe in, like, tournaments. Is that like a situation where they would, play? like, pick up the
1: picnic table and move it, or does he have to hit
0: through the picnic no, table? Oh, yeah, they picked it up. It's not like Happy Gilmore, right, where they have to hit it off his fucking foot. They it, literally, this guy was like eating a hot dog at a picnic table and the ball just came down next to him. And he like started pointing at the ball and like waving to the camera. So oh. funny. <laughs> awesome. clip. It's actually hilarious. The guy's like sitting, eating at this like brown picnic table. All of a sudden, munching on a hot dog. Kepka's drive just comes in and dribbles right next to his foot under the picnic table, like looks under the table, starts pointing at everyone and then sees the camera and waves to the camera and then just keeps munching on his food. That's <laughs> awesome. That guy is Dude, imagine almost getting nothing. hit
1: by a golf ball and just being completely unfazed. I almost got my head taken off by a disc today. It was unbelievable. Really? Yeah, like literally, the people yelled for, and I looked up, and it was five feet from me, like coming right at my head, and I just ducked out of the way, and it landed in the river. I was like, "All right, sirs, you
0: right." Wait, so when um, yeah, okay, no, never mind. <laughs> I answered my own question in my head, but uh, but yeah, those are my U.S. Open picks. Yeah,
1: I like the what he's South
0: African, right? Louis, Louis Yeah, that's my guy. Like um him. yeah, but I think that's all we've got. I was going to rant about LeBron, but I'll save it for another time because we do that yes. a lot. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. Um but yeah, that's all I've got. Uh that's in Padres. <laughs> yeah, that's in it, a sweep, baby. Woo! No, Mercy fine. rule every game. That's just not gonna happen. You, Absolutely, to yourself. If you it's think that's gonna happen? Um, Mets and Diamondbacks video is coming out tomorrow. This podcast will be out in an hour. Um, we hit nukes. Do we have anything else going on? I don't know. so. Not that I know.
1: Not that I'm involved. I don't
0: think we do. Maybe we will eventually. Who knows? Um, we should
1: get another uh, TBR tour series episode. I was too. just
0: gonna say, like, let's get one in before you fucking go on the mend. Yes, we have time though. It's it's not yeah even plenty of time. Yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we got
1: we got three weeks.
0: Oh yeah, so we're chilling. <laughs> all right, yeah, that's uh, that's all I've got. So thank you all so much for listening. The three quarter episode, episode seventy five. We'll be Long back. Episode. We've been on this call for, yeah, two, for hours. two hours. <laughs> I'm starving. It's eight o'clock. <laughs> Your dinner's
1: been ready for like a half
0: an hour. Nice. Um, but yeah, thank you boys so much for listening. And um, let's get it. That's, that's all I can say. We'll see you next time. Bye. tell the I feel. inside, you won't know and real. There's something wrong, assuming the things you hear about me, is a done deal. Deal, deal, there's more to ask than what we chose to reveal, or what we don't see behind these walls is different, you judged off